Oh, hello everyone. It's Warren Hayes once again. Excuse me, Mr. Warren Hayes to you. Coming at you once again with another AEW Dynamite review. Right here on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or on your favorite podcast application so that you can listen to this uh, with ease on your feed, whichever feed you decide to use. It's exciting. It's uh, December 22nd. Holidays are upon us. We're so very close now. Hopefully you, you you you're you're getting into the spirit of things. Maybe you're maybe you know maybe you you're not quite ready to get into the spirit of the holiday season right now. Maybe you're 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 kind of in a you're kind of in a tizzy. You're kind of in a panic. You know, wait, did you wait did you wait last minute to get all of your all of your shopping done? Or, you know, because you got to get out and do it. You know, there's a lot of places in North America, a lot of places, especially like, uh, you know, uh, in Canada and in the northern part of the United States, the Midwest, we're getting hit by by blizzards. You don't want to go out in that. Get Get that stuff done. Get it out of the way. And look, what better way to get all of your last minute Christmas shopping done than to have me in your ears Talking about Dynamite, reviewing uh, this week's Dynamite. I think it's a great way to do it. But listen, if you're listening to this right now, if you are in your favorite podcast app, leave a uh, like a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, five-star rating on Spotify. Why, why would I ask you to do that? Because that stuff helps out a great deal. It really does. It really helps grow the show. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, you can do the same with a like or a subscription to the channel. And then that way, not only do you never miss the Dynamite reviews, but you also get, you know, the Mr. Warren Hayes show proper, which is recorded live every Tuesday evening. So you'll never miss a thing with your boy Warren. You'll never miss a thing. But one thing that you should not miss is this week's Dynamite. Not much meta in regards to, you know, things and happenings going around AEW these days. However, you know, I think it's interesting to point out, we should just make a mention here, that uh, Tony Khan has confirmed this week that uh, AEW TV will be uh, will be having a, a refresh of its look starting on the first Dynamite uh, this year. Speaking to uh, to TV Insider this week, on Wednesday, actually, so yesterday is when I'm recording this. Tony Khan said that the new presentation for Dynamite would debut on January 4, 2023. That's the Seattle, Washington show. He says, quote, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag necessarily, especially so close to the big day. But at the start of 2023, we're going to open the year on Wednesday, January 4, with the first Dynamite in Seattle, making it a full year of Dynamite on TBS, will definitely have a new look, to say the least. I'm excited about it. I think it's a nice thing to present to the fans, but frankly, I found more so than ever, the more you talk about these things, the more you build them up, excuse me, the more the more you talk about these things, when you build them up, you don't want to create expectations that are impossible. I will say the set will be beautiful, though. So that's very interesting. So the... And he also said that Dynamite and 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 Rampage would have different looks as well. I you know I'm I'm all for switch, switching up presentation, and of course you know I don't think you know, to anyone who follows what's going around or even listens to the Mr. Morton Hayes show know 
you know, anyone who follows should, should, this should not come as a surprise as recently uh, Tony Khan announced uh, that they hired Matt, Mike Mansory, a former uh, a high level TV production, uh, TV producer who was uh, working for WWE right up until I think 2020, right? They hired Mike Mansory as the company's new senior vice president and co-executive producer. And uh, and uh, clearly, you know, he wants to start making his mark. Mansory's come up, of course, uh, working for WWE under Kevin Dunn. He was, he was perceived by many to be the guy who was going to come in and, 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 and replace Dunn when old Kevin would be done with the business. See what I did there? But uh, no, uh, look, something happened, and uh, and he he left the company, and now he is under the employee of AEW. So, you know, I can only hope. This is this is all I hope, you know, because I, I you know I I've read multiple think pieces on this, of course, and people are like, well, you know, oh, clearly, you know, the old nitro look ain't working. It's, you know, the I, I love it when they call it the old nitro look when AEW puts on the most uh the most pro wrestling uh, uh uh tv production like it looks like a like i'm watching a pro wrestling show uh i just hope that we don't that mr mansory's uh um um uh, his uh his uh what's the word i'm looking for i just hope that mike mansory's um um Affinities, there we go, aren't as ingrained or aren't as similar to those of his former boss, I guess, Kevin Dunn, because I don't like WWE's presentation. I don't, uh, you know, it's a lot of flash for very little substance, and the flash does come at the expense of the substance sometimes. So I, I hope that it doesn't... Um, I hope it doesn't go necessarily in that direction either. Um, I, you know, I'm confident that you know AEW will not become WWE Junior because that is actually the worst thing they could do is to try and emulate what WWE does and has been doing for decades at this point. With the head start that they have, there is no point to try and pull this off. It will look like. Uh, it will look like a um, like the like uh, you know the little cousin trying to do with uh, what you're trying to pull off, right? I mean that's the most important key here, the most important key element. Because, like I said, on one hand, like on a very personal basis, I don't want AEW to look like WWE again, and I'll say it again. I don't like WWE's production. I I think it stinks. I, I, you know, I know like people are sitting here and going, what the fuck, Warren, what are you talking about? But I, I, you know, I think it's overproduced and I think there's no, you know, there's no room for, it it doesn't, it, it, everything feels so overproduced and contrived in all aspects of production that it, for me, it creates a barrier. I like the authenticity, the, the, the re the, the the realism which is a weird word to say in in pro wrestling but i do like that aspect of what i'm watching in AEW 
So I hope that doesn't go away. I hope that doesn't become tossed to the side, to the wayside, because Tony is like, well, I got I to step up production if I want more money kind of thing. I don't know. And again, if, if AEW tries to be WWE Jr. in this field, well, fans are going to pick up on it and they're going to reject it. And it's going to be mocked and so on and so forth. You know, like there, there'll be plenty of good reasons to make fun of it if this is what they try to do. I hope they stay as authentic to what they're what they've built so far. By and I'm completely okay with you know adding different levels of camera work, uh, refreshing the graphics work, transitions. You know, adding some, you know, adding more camera shots, so on and so forth. That's all good. You know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how things move forward. I think it's interesting. Like I'm interested. There's nothing wrong with a little refresh. And I think whatever happens, people are going to hate it when they see it the first time, right? When they see the first... Oh, no, because no, you know, people in general don't like change. They really don't. Especially when it's one where it's, you know, where you just flip a switch and it's like, oh, now it's this now. People don't like change in general. But I think, so I, you know, I think at first it's going to be received very coldly. Only to move forward with, you know, oh, now I'm used to it now, now I'm used to it now, now I'm used to it now kind of thing. We'll see how this goes. But look, let's start talking about last night's Dynamite. Because yes, I record this on Thursday, so I'm talking about last night. Last night being December 21st, 2022. AEW Dynamite Holiday Bash 2022. From San Antonio, Texas, the Freeman Coliseum, we open up the show with a Ricky Starks promo. Now, y'all know how I feel about opening uh, television shows with uh, with talk segments, with promos, whatever you want to call them, right? I'm I'm very resistant to that because uh, I you know I can't say it enough. You tune in to watch a wrestling show, there should be wrestling when you started off not discussions not you know not, not unending uh, uh promos just jump into the action and i think this is one of the things that dynamite does best and that is one of the ways that dynamite differentiates itself from the competition just starting starting everything off with uh, with a match look it all makes sense right it only makes sense in the minds of folks that don't like wrestling and yet watch wrestling. Um, but yeah, I, you know, um, as I as I also like to nuance because there's I you know there's always circumstances where a, a an opening promo does make a lot of sense. You know, MJF after his first address to the audience after winning the title, that makes tons of sense. Uh, uh, a significant angle. That needs to be addressed from the get-go. Absolutely, uh, John Moxley returning from rehab. Like all these, all these things make a lot of sense. Now, I'm ambivalent in regards to this Ricky Starks promo, but I'll get to that in a second. I don't know where exactly I fall here, but let's get to it in a second because you know it's not always a an open and cut. Yeah, it's all it's not always a cut and dry thing. 
there's always nuance but let's talk about it. let's go ahead so he 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 says that he it, it would have been nice for him to be standing in the ring here as the AEW world champion but things didn't quite work out that way last week he lost and that's on him because he should he should have known better fighting MJF but at least he lost with dignity while MJF won like a coward um and at this point I'm not sure about the promo I'm like mm, I understand what he's doing but I feel like this is not in this in Ricky's strengths like I understand what he's doing but it it was lacking some fire it was lacking you know some some ignition so I was like all right this is okay fine and I'm like where are we going with this like if he had continued down this path of a promo I I don't think it would have he could have sustained it any longer I think the audience would have just not turned on him but I don't think he would have been able to keep the audience invested however the Jericho Appreciation Society come out at least Chris Jericho flying by Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia Jericho says, uh, tells Ricky that he's been watching him for a long time and he will, and he invites him to join the JAS, but because uh, he doesn't want Ricky to be a flash in the pan. Now, Starks puts on the chef hat and begins to cook. He says he's honored that Jericho complimented him, so he offers one in return. He says he likes how Jericho, uh, he likes how Jericho always stays relevant. Just a couple of months ago, Jericho was coming out here, built like an air fryer. What a great line. And now he's shredded and dressed like a single father on his fifth divorce. Like I said, put on the chef's hat, started cooking. He outright tells him, no, I don't want to join your group and reminds Jericho that he lost to Action Andretti last week. Which, of course, has a great expression on Jer in Jericho's face. They do a close-up on it. And he says, the J in JAS might as well stand for jobbers, which gets the crowd chanting jobbers. And the heels here are doing uh, great heel work in reaction to the crowd. He calls Sammy and Daniel two little jassholes. He says if they, if they suck and they really want on, to suck on something, well, you know, he's goes for his crotch i'm like jesus telling him to suck his dick right on tv why don't you wouldn't even be the worst wouldn't even be the most um outrageous thing to happen on the show by the way someone in the back said hold my beer anyway we'll get to that in due time um they set up a match for january 4th chris jericho versus ricky starks Jake Hager shows up to attack Ricky from behind, but Action Andretti, and then the Jericho Appreciation Society all jump in, but Action Andretti runs in for the save here. Um, so this is what I, I think I've come to uh, to understand. I, th I think Ricky Starks like is a fantastic promo, and I think he truly shines when he's able to bounce off of someone. Um, right now his, uh, I, there's a couple of promos that just pop into mind where he's alone in the, in the ring and he's just trying to be pure baby face and, and, 
and he's very good at what he does, but I think he's better when he has someone to bounce off of, someone someone to uh, to collect energy and reactions from. His promo two weeks ago against MJF, the one that sold us the ticket to the main event last week, uh, that was outstanding, and he was there with MJF in the ring. This got very good, very fun, the minute Jericho popped out. Um, might be in design, you know, don't, you know, I... I I'm sitting here saying this, but it could be by design as well. You know, you just start off slow so that you can crescendo because you know what's coming. I mean, that's just that's just good dramatic writing, <laughs> you know, to a degree. It's it's good storytelling to get your audience invested. By the way, I think Texas is officially a great is a great uh, uh, AEW territory because all of these Texas crowds have been hot over the past few weeks. Just completely hot. And then the molten. The crowd was so into this. They were into most things last night. But even in moments that could have potentially killed the crowd, they just kept on rolling. So that don't this we know we're we're gonna talk about Chicago and Jacksonville and all, but Texas. Texas for AEW. I'm telling you. Anyway, so th this 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 really started working, started cooking when Jericho came out and Ricky Starks just uh, just nailed it. I thought it was a very good opening segment. Now, to come back to my initial point, I'm ambivalent on it because I I'm not sure it was a necessary opening promo for the show. That like there. I feel like there's there's nothing here that justified this. We absolutely have to start with this. Outside of the fact that the outside of the statement that Tony Khan wants to make here, and that is Ricky Starks is going to be a top guy, and I am pushing him. To be a top guy. So we're starting the show with his angle. So I so as far as long, you know, for booking purposes, I'm like, okay, I like I get it, which is why I'm ambivalent, right? Which is why I'm not outright poo-pooing this. But I'm also not cheering it to high heavens because I still feel like this promo did not need to be like the the promo in a vacuum did not need to open the show. There was nothing crucial in this that absolutely had to open the show. What it does is it sets up a match in two weeks' time. So again, I'm not like... I'm, I, I, I don't think it, it, it absolutely had to be here. But Ricky Starks coming out to open a dynamite, give him the mic, you know, you know hook people in, Tony Khan sending the message. This guy is going to be. This is this is a big time person for the company. I believe in this kid. I want this to work. Well, I can get behind that statement. So that's why you know the, you know the 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 scales are balanced here as far as whether I cared about this or not. I'm like, well, I I see good. I see not good. 
But the, the segment itself was fantastic. But this this led us into the into game five. I love how people are calling this like game, you know, like like all of the all of the uh, sports terminology is just being brought up here, and it's uh, it's it's making me chuckle the whole way through. Um, game five of the um, uh, of the six man tag team best of seven series. The Elite coming in with a two-game deficit, facing elimination, three to one. Well, they managed to pick one up here as the Elite defeated Death Triangle in a no disqualifications match. I thought this was a lot of fun. Triple stereo dives by uh, by Death Triangle here. There's even Cutler and Abrahantes that have a thing. You know, the 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 lackeys. They get their they get their shit in at some point. But I like this. This was a fast-started match with multiple kicks and strikes. There's a trash can involved early on. Nick Jackson has a great sequence, of course, every match. Death Triangle set up tables on the floor. Penta brings in a Christmas tree from the from the set up at the top. Death Triangle, uh, they launch the elite into the Christmas tree. Or the, the unforgiving artificial tree uh, bristles or whatever. And an unforgiving artificial tree. I'm at least I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied that commentary was, you know, on the nose with this one. Yes, folks, we know. We're and we're gonna sell it, and it's just gonna be. It's just dumb. It's pro wrestling. I'm like, there you go. Thank you. I'm glad that that helped a lot in my enjoyment of it. Uh, Kenny Omega does the You Can't Escape with the trash can. Barbed wire cleaner broom is pulled out from under the ring. And he uses it on, uh, he being Kenny Omega, of course, uses it on Ray Phoenix. Pac and Penta are set up on tables. The Young Bucks go up top. Top rope elbow by Matt Jackson and a swanton through the table by Nick. It's fantastic stuff. Immediately followed by a Tiger Driver 98 by Kenny Omega on Ray Phoenix. On the broom. The Barbara Briar broom. Cleaner. You got this. One winged angel attempt is reversed by Ray Phoenix into a, a Hurricane Rana and a near fall. Pac locks in a brutalizer on Kenny Omega using a garland. And, and it really looked painful. It really looked like it hurt. Which is the point of pro wrestling, right? Ankle, and then in the meantime, Ray Phoenix gets an ankle lock on Nick Jackson. But Matt comes in to break it all up. Death Triangle bring in three hammers. Try to use them. They can't. Young Bucks uh, put up some uh, some distractions. Uh, there's a Snapdragon by Kenny Omega. The Young Bucks land the Indy Taker for the win. So they are now at three and two. Still on the cusp of elimination, but we are going into, I think it's next week. Is it next week, the match? I can't, I can't quite remember the schedule for some point. But the next match is the one I am most looking forward to. I know everyone's excited for a ladder match, and that's fine. And, and quite frankly, with these six guys, you know, this ladder match. You know, if ladder matches for me right now always start off with two strikes... A ladder match between the Elite and uh, and uh, Death Triangle 
starts with only one strike. Let's put it that way. But the match I'm most looking forward to is the false count anywhere. Uh, that's the next one. And I think that could be sneaky amazing. I know everyone's focused on the uh, the ladder match. But I, I wouldn't sleep on a false count anywhere with these six sickos. After the match, there's a brawl that happens. <clears throat> uh, Death Triangle uh, beat up the Elite big time using, uh, using the hammer. Nick... Jackson gets busted open with a hammer after the match. So he's like, the ankle, and now this. You know, the story they're telling here is that, you know, Nick is still in this, but he's, you know, he could be a liability. That's good stuff. I like it. Another, look, another exciting match to start off, uh, to start off the show. What more do you want? Well, to start off the show, you know what I mean. Another start... It, Look, it was good. You got an MJF pre-tape. Calls Danielson a gutless prick. And he says he beat Ricky Starks clean as a whistle in the middle of the ring. Sure. But Danielson came out to ruin his moment. He had it, he had to, he had to stick his shitty little hipster nose in the middle of his post-match uh, 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 celebration. He says, that was my moment, right? And it, and you know what? This is actually part of the many layers of MJF's story where his moments are always overshadowed. There's always something happening where he, where whenever he gets a big win, a big moment, there's always something happening to distract the attention, to, to, to distract, right? To move the attention away from him. So I like that he brings that up and you're like, well, there you go. You know, that, that's a good reason for him to be bitter. Not going to lie. Action Andretti is interviewed backstage. He says uh, he had the upset of the decade last week, defeating Chris Jericho in the middle of that ring. His life hasn't been the same. Oh, so much support from the AEW fans on and so forth. Okay, very, very rookie babyface promo. Very like we're getting to know you and you're you know, very bog standard, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, baby face, my story, um, no mercy, video game stuff. You know, it's fine. He's okay. He's got the fire. He's got work to do, but the basics are there. 2.0 arrives to compliment him. That's right. They come to give him compliments. They say, "Hey, uh, action! You're on a you're on a hot streak." Some would even say, you're on fire. And Andretti sort of turns around and is like, screw you guys. And he turns around and he gets a fireball to the face. Delivered by the wizard, Chris Jericho. But not just a, a fireball. I, I, that was a, the only way I can call it was a stiff fireball. Because he really ate it. And I even got a still shot of the, like, of the flame, like, licking both sides of his face it was amazing yeah hopefully you know hopefully he didn't burn his eyebrows or something no but those things are actually you know when used properly of course are very very safe it's all about flash but there you go jericho delivering a stiff fireball probably the stiffest the stiffest fireball i've seen on a major pro wrestling show in a long while 
Brian Danielson then joins Rene Paquette in the middle of the ring for a Talking Smack reunion. They shook hands. That was nice. Um, he talks about how he he, uh, he started his training right uh, right here uh, in, San Ant- in San Antonio by Rudy Boy Gonzalez and Shawn Michaels, which got HBK chants from the audience, which I'm sure right now is being discussed with great civility and and and, and cool uh, 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 objective thoughts online, right? Here's the thing. You know, we we say this more than enough. When I say we, I mean, you know, myself, a few others. But I, I want this to be repeated because it has to be drilled into the minds of, of folks everywhere. The lore of AEW is the lore of pro wrestling. So if Brian Danielson got trained by Shawn Michaels, he should be able to say that on TV. And, you know, we talk about, look, he mentions Rudy Boy Gonzalez, nobody, you know, nobody blinks an eye. You'll have references to Dusty Rhodes, nobody blinks an eye, or, you know, you know, we'll talk about the greats, we'll talk about uh, uh, right there online, uh, uh, right on the show, Bruno San Martino, and, you know, and HBK, Shawn Michaels, is in that group of legends of people you know and we talk about Bret Hart and they, they drop these names regularly because these are people who are part of the legendary canon if you if you want of pro wrestling these are legends these are legitimate true to form professional wrestling legends hall of famers not in the WWE sense in the you know Oxford dictionary sense these are legends that transcend whatever they've done for one specific company. So HBK being one of the greats, of course, everyone knows who he is. We all, we grew up with him. We've, we've, we know what his legacy is. So if he mentions Shawn Michaels, I'm fine with it. If the audience chants HBK, I'm fine with it as well. There's no reason to get upset. This is actually great because that's what you should be able to do in pro wrestling instead of being a fucking child and being oh there's stuff i can't talk about there's only one company who has this set up that has been doing this for 20 years and for some reason this has become the norm this has become the norm that for we because wwe decided that we're not going to mention any other company by name like that's how it should work and first of all that's not how it worked for years before one company became a monopoly because one company decided that we're not going to do this that's not necessarily the way to do it and second of all i'm all for trying out different things why wouldn't we try this out why wouldn't we mention other wrestlers from other companies still active still under their employ whatever who cares this is great and this adds credence to what Brian Danielson is doing to what he's saying. It adds credence. It adds realism, reality, sincerity. And look at what he did here. This is why I, you know, I go around sprinkling liberally whenever I can. When I, you know, as talking about Brian Danielson being uh, the greatest North American wrestler to ever do it. Because you got more proof here. He's not like this otherworldly promo guy like MJF you know he's not like this master storyteller or ma- master 
char charisma machine like Chris Jericho. That's fine. But you get, you, you, what you get with Brian Danielson is a guy who understands how wrestling crowds work. He knows how, what makes them tick. So you give him the mic and you say, Danielson, go cut a babyface promo and get the, get the crowd into this. Look at what he does. He says, hey, San Antonio, I worked here. I, I, I used to train here. My first match was here. You remember this guy, Rudy Boy Gonzalez? Yeah, of course you do. He's a, he's a local hero. Hey, Shawn Michaels, you heard of this guy? Of course, he's a local hero as well. HBK, HBK, gets the crowd hype, gets in behind him. And that, and with ease, with simplicity. And Danielson is a guy where you could say the opposite. You could say, go cut a heel promo and he'll do it. Because he's done it in the past with Hangman Page. And then on top of that, a wrestler whose skill is still unmatched in this current day. No one wrestles like Brian Danielson and probably no one will ever will. He is, he, he is a, a 100% like, let's, you know, this thing gets thrown around quite a bit, but a generational talent. He is a special, special talent that we have the chance to see in his full form before he decides to hang it up. Privileged is what we are. And I have no problem with this promo, especially if it gets the crowd into it. But anyone who's on their high throne saying, oh, they can't keep the other company's names out of it. It's not even a question of the other company. Is Shawn Michaels a legend in the business? Yes, he is. His contributions are tremendous. He is a he is a one-of-a-kind performer. He should absolutely, his name should absolutely be dropped around liberally like we do with Brett, like we do with Bruno, like we do with Luthez, like we do with Carl Gotch, like we do with fucking Kaiji Muto. Enough's enough. Anyway, despite all this training, he says the man who turned him into the wrestler he is today was William Regal. Put, he puts the William Regal angle over some more, talks about how it affected the, BB, the, the BCC uh, and, uh, and how important Regal was to his own life. And he says that MJF, there will be consequences to your actions. He calls him out. He wants to fight him right here, right now. Instead... We get Stokely Hathaway and Ethan Page coming out. Ethan Page is taking issue that a vegetable man is jumping the line and getting a shot before he does. Because after all, Ethan Page did win, did make it to the final, excuse me, of the Eliminator tournament, the most recent one. And that is an absolutely perfect, simple claim to fame right here. It's just like, look, what are you, you're, I should be next in line. Who are you? simple it justifies everything isn't that great stoke says <laughs> that's crazy he just adds that into the it's crazy and he says brian should go home be a family man shop at trader joe's get your probiotics your gluten-free glizzies and your cauliflower cheetos the disdain and listen the heels here have such fantastic heat from the crowd. I don't think Ethan Page has ever got this amount of heat. It is fantastic. It is off the charts. 
why Danielson did such a good job warming these people up for, to, for this moment to get them on his side because a good babyface promo will make you hate the heels and what this was fantastic Danielson says he's confused he's confused because the glare off of Stokes head is distracting could he could he grow some hair please and uh, and he says because uh, you think I should be insulted because you called me vegetable man you know and and of course <laughs> the line Stokely drops you raggedy bitch and I just lost it how was WWE sitting on this guy they were sitting on this guy pairing him up with fucking Indu share. They didn't leave this guy shine. And everyone who has ever seen Stokely work, even if it's just his, his clips online, even when he was with NXT and he was looking for a CD player, remember that saga, which he is a special, special talent. We are lucky to have a man like Stokely Hathaway in pro wrestling. How can you, just in one line, like last week when he was referencing New Jack during the beatdown of uh, of Jungle Boy it's just good stuff Paige says look I I'm gonna turn you into a vegetable Danielson wants to fight right now but the heels of course back off and they make the match for next week fun very well done promo segment here two out of two uh, spoiler alert this is a, the, the street doesn't maintain let's continue John Moxley cuts a promo backstage on the AEW Rampage Holiday Bash $300,000 Three Kings Christmas Casino Trios Rumble <laughs> well, <laughs> um what the the AEW Rampage Holiday Bash 300,003 Kings Christmas Casino Trios Rumble. I swear, Tony Khan comes up with these names as a rib for Excalibur. There is, I it has to be. If there's anything more signature than, more signature in AEW than long ass names for matches I'm not talking events I'm just talking for matches I don't know what is but Moxley cuts an extremely wonderful and unrepentant promo on Adam Page on how Adam Page got hurt he says he's sick of the somber tones what did Page think what did Page think Mox wanted to do when he threw the lariat right to knock him out. <laughs> this is what he says, basically. He says it's not his fault that Paige has got a glass jaw. It just means Mox is good at his is good at his job. And I'm like, and I'm just going, oh, everything, everything that I I keep telling y'all about what pro wrestling is and what it should be is John Moxley, and he's saying it right here. He's, he's good at his job, which is to beat people up, knock them out, and get a payday. And I'm like, what more do you want out of pro wrestling? This is fantastic. 
He's not the bad guy here. And Hangman's better than being a play wrestler, which I thought was a compelling line on top of that. And he's then he, he throws in a little quip for Darius Martin, who he's fighting uh, a little later on in the evening, saying he's going to teach him a lesson tonight because he's a teacher. That's what he does. He teaches people with violence. Great. Fantastic stuff by Mox once again. And speaking of great promos, Samoa Joe cut a pre-tape from his home. Wishing us all a happy holiday. In particular, a special greeting for Wardlow. He wishes them the happiest and merriest of holidays filled with family and friends because the holiday cheer is going to end next week on December 28th. I think that implies a match that they set a match. That's something that I'm not quite clear on. I think, the I think there's going to be a match, or at least at the very least, a confrontation, right? But Samoa Joe is so very good as well. Just being able to, to switch, to transition very naturally from this smarmy... Happy holidays, everyone cheered to something menacing. He's just, I, Samoa Joe legitimately would scare me in real life because he scares me as a performer. And I think it's very close to home. Hook defeated Exodus Prime, who still is not a Transformer. Uh, great exhibition. Match by Hook again, because this is essentially what he was. He bet he defeated um, Exodus Prime in about a in about a minute. But the story here is after the match, Stokely Hathaway is backstage. Lee Moriarty and Big Bill Morrissey are beating the shit out of Jungle Boy next to a dumpster, and it ends with Morrissey chokeslamming Jungle Boy Jack Perry into a dumpster. Which there you go, I, perfect. Perfect angle, very simple. You don't need anything more for a mid-card angle than this. This was very effective. Jungle Boy looked great. Lee Moriarty, Morrissey, they just look like thugs. Everything works. It helps, you know, make the bond uh, stronger between Hook and Jungle Boy, which is still, which is still the best pairing, the greatest pairing, you know. You know, my generation, we had the mega power shaking hands. This generation have Hook and Jack Perry. Then we, it leads us to John Moxley defeating Darius Martin. Um, early on, uh, Darius Martin tosses John Moxley to the floor, which flusters Mox a little. He gets a little, wait, what do you think you're doing, kid? But Moxley gets him back on the floor, crosses the railing and suplexes Martin on the floor. Martin lands a dive, uh, then uh, goes up top. Moxley throws him off the top rope. There's a release suplex slam by Moxley. A superplex by Moxley does the hammer and anvil elbows. Then Moxley, he, this violence he's talking about, you know, he's this edge he 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 leans into. He's trying to remove Don, uh, Darius Martin's knee brace, but Martin fights out. He hits a springboard Pele kick off the second turnbuckle, which was really cool. Caught everyone off guard. I, I, you know, that's what Tony said. Is, was that a springboard Pele kick? And I'm like, yeah, was that what it was? Because I think that's the closest uh, way to call it. Springboard flatliner as well by Martin. Uh, he goes for a diving crossbody. He's caught by John Moxley, who just drills his head with head stomps. Hammer and anvil elbows. Death Rider. We're done. This match was well worked, but didn't click. Uh, this was the part of Dynamite here. I think starting from this part, there was a, a bit of a lull here. Um, 
wasn't ex there was a this this little stretch here made the show a little more middling than maybe what we're what we were going to remember ultimately about it uh first hour i thought was you know well put together with some great storytelling and fantastic promos this here now we i don't know things started to slip a bit and moxley and martin it, it didn't have a second gear didn't get the audience into it was it because the match was just a little too random and everyone saw that Darius Martin, there was no way in hell he was going to win here? But, you know, I feel like even in the structure of the match, it was a little strange. No real hope spots for, for Martin. Maybe that was the point, too. Anyway, look, well worked. Don't get me wrong. This wasn't bad, but it just didn't make, didn't make you feel. We get another Powerhouse, powerhouse Hobbs vignette. Talking about his hard upbringing. Very compelling stuff. I'm not going to lie. I think this is great. This Book of Hobbes stuff. Then we get the guns defeating FTR. Cash starts this off. Lands some atomic drops in Manhattan. Drops on the guns. It spills to the floor. But the guns work over FTR. Uh, I think it's Austin Gunn who avoids a sharpshooter by Dax. The guns then try for a stuffed pile driver on the floor, but Cash dives in for the rescue. Austin Gunn then locks in the sharpshooter on Dax in the ring. Cash wipes out on the floor. Dax tries to go for a pile driver, but he can't do it because of his bruised tailbone or broken tailbone, whatever it is. The injury he suffered, and he showed us a delicious, wonderful picture of on Twitter earlier. Um, through the after the match uh, in the aftermath of uh, FTRs legendary dog collar match against the uh, Briscoes at um, Final Battle. He can't do it. It, it. So, okay, we're carrying on this injury. That makes sense. And Dax gets rolled up by Austin Gunn, who uses Colton's hand as leverage for the win. I know this made a lot of people mad for some reason. I, I feel like FTR never wins. FTR wins. Uh, people get mad. FTR loses, people get mad. Like, I, I don't know what people want anymore. There's a lot of things I don't understand about pro wrestling fans. But um, commentary did point out, and this is interesting. Oh, this is FTR's third loss. Third consecutive loss in a row, right? They, they lost to the acclaimed. They lost to the Briscoes. And now they lost to the guns. So they might be on a bad streak. I mean, look, here's the thing, right? Is that they collected all these belts. But at some point, they have to drop all these belts. Now, if this, this, if this is the story we're starting to tell here that FTR are on, are on the, the, the downturn, uh, that's fine. After being such a dominant tag team this year, I think the, the tale of them... Uh, you know, getting fatigued, not being able to to keep up. I think it makes sense. They're gonna have to drop the titles, so maybe maybe we're telegraphing a little bit the result of the Wrestle Kingdom match against the uh, Goto and Yoshihashi. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens because I had it. You know, I was making a pretty solid case that in my brain anyway that FTR should hold on to the belts at Wrestle Kingdom. Especially like if they want to break, like they were saying, they want to break from from television wrestling 
whatever that is, whatever they mean by that, you know, could also just be working. You never know. They might be, you know, uh, so I was making a case in my head was like, well, you know, there's still, it would still make a lot of sense for FTR to hold on to the titles after Wrestle Kingdom. But now, if this is the story we're telling where FTR is just, well, you know, all good things come to an end kind of thing. Well, there you go. This is where we're at. And and it's fine. It's fine because then what 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 you do in the meantime is you you elevate other tag teams. This is it, you know. Or, you know, it could be just as simple as yes, they are going to take a break. Maybe they're not going to renew their contracts, right? This is the speculation. So maybe they're just on their way out of the territory. It could be and this is how you do it, by the way. We get a music video of Sanjay Dutt rapping to the Acclaims theme song. And and uh, I, I really like Sanjay Dutt. I, I love him to bits. Uh, but uh, this is too sports entertaining for my tastes. I know it's supposed... I'm not supposed to like it. I understand. Learn it is a heel. It's supposed to be cringe. You're not supposed to like it. You don't cheer for heels, Warren. I'm like, okay. I still don't like it. Okay, so Tony Schiavone's in the ring with Rick Ross. <laughs> Keith Lee makes his way to the ring because Ross is Rick Ross is supposed to mediate this face to face between Swerve and and Keith Lee, right? This get this gets awkward the minute. Rick Ross starts to introduce Swerve because for some reason Swerve doesn't come out you know and he calls him the young legend and boy does he does he call him the young legend right if you wanted to make sure multiple times he says that and and we're waiting like there's beats and, he, and he's like hit the music I think he even said that right he says play the music and there's nothing and nothing is happening and production is just dead dead in water like it's not dead air because rick ross is still talking he's still saying shit such as calling keith lee a big motherfucker on the turner broadcasting systems public airwaves well the cable airwaves you know what i mean and keith lee's expression was he he shrugged at him, turned his back, and gave him one of these. He went, he knew, he knew. But then again, I was in the Discord watching this. And as they were setting this up, as we were getting closer to it, I put in the Discord, I wrote down that Rick Ross, that Rick Ross is going to go rogue with a live mic. Look at what happened here. Rick Ross was supposed to direct this the traffic in this segment, but it look something happened. He missed a cue, or there was something else that was supposed to happen. He something didn't go as planned for him to be saying, "Bring out Swerve, hit the music," and nothing happening. There was something that was supposed. He there's there was a fumble here. There was a botch at some level. I don't know what it is, but it created one of the most awkward things. It becomes a plodding segment. 
I Swerve eventually does come out to no music. I think that was I think that was probably the deal, right? He wasn't supposed to come out to music because they're doing something else now, right? We And he comes out and he's got a duffel bag with him. It's like what what was was Keith Lee my first thought is, what's in the bag? What, did, did, was Keith Lee, like, you know, living at his place? Were, were they roomies? Or was Lee, like, you know, crashing on the couch or whatever? And 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 then Swerve just stuffed all of his clothes and his toothbrush and, you know, and his, you know, just for men. And he put that all into the duffel bag and, and he was going to, here, take your shit, you know, get out of my apartment. But no... That wasn't why they're headed. They had a duffel bag. Swerve says that he really tried with Keith Lee because the two of them should own everything, but he can't deal with all the accusations. And that that the, Rick Ross was talking over Swerve at this point. It was like accusations. You can't make a false accusation. Like oh, Jesus, what a what a train wreck. It says Lee needs to keep his eye on the ball and on the back of his head. There's a little more awkwardness with some weird camera shots. Then all of a sudden, Parker Boudreaux attacks Keith Lee from behind. Lee sort of shrugs it off and he fights back, tosses uh, Boudreaux out of the ring. And Lee steps out on the floor to confront Swerve. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a guy, like literally a guy runs in to attack Keith Lee. And he's got like these long braids, you know, not unlike Lance Archer and the tattoos. Lots of fucking tattoos. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Did did someone just jump the... Because I, at first I thought someone jumped the guardrail. I really did. But, the, but since Lee was letting himself... Like for a fraction of a second. Because of course then you realize, oh, Lee is letting himself get beat down. If anyone jumps... Look, if anyone were to jump the guardrail to take out Keith Lee, that would be, you know... That, that person should question all of their life choices up until this point. Because that would not be a good idea. <laughs> but no, it, it was all part of the work. And so it turns out, this guy is Grandin Gotsman. Gotsman was a baseball player. He had a baseball career that lasted about 10 years. He was drafted in 2011 by the Tampa Bay Rays, played as a left fielder. Then after that, he bounced around uh, minor leagues and double-A teams for the rest of his career. He played in Mexico. And then he made the switch to pro wrestling. Now he's a part of Swerve's new thing. Apparently, he's uh, the rumor is that he's been training with Jay Lethal. So, you know, a dude coming out of nowhere. My first thought when I'm looking at the guy and his look, despite the tattoos, I'm like, why aren't we putting Lance Archer in this role? And I think that's a legitimate question, right? Why isn't Lance Archer in this role? A significant talent, a, a someone that everyone knows who is currently has no direction in AEW. There's nothing for him. Why bring in this guy from completely out of left field, <laughs> pun intended, uh, to, to jump in here. And no one knows who he is. Like it's not even in he has. Like Satnam 
has that freak show aura about him that even even if you didn't watch basketball all that much, you at least knew who this guy was because you've heard about him, right? So it's a strange decision. But I'll tell you one thing, you know, I'm, and I'm here saying about, I'm talking about, you know, how no one no, no one knew who this guy was. I'll tell you this. I liked how commentary didn't foresay why that's former Tampa Bay Rays left fielder Grandin Gobsman or something like that, you know? My God, what is he doing here? And you're like, oh, come on, man. You know, not unlike, uh, you know, not unlike the the infamous, you know, why that's Japanese deathmatch legend uh, Luther, Dr. Luther. You're like, okay. You know, okay. Mm. So I can, at the very least, appreciate commentary being in the dark about this. So it all sort of sets up like everything that happened here was everyone was left in the dark truly only swerve knew what he was doing with 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 rick ross and these and these guys here anyway bordeaux joins in the beatdown of keith lee here they set keith lee up on the steel steps they put a cinder block on his chest that one was in the in the duffel bag and the swerve stomped through the cinder block i like that that was a cool visual that rocked but this Segment was a chaotic mess. And not look, and I, you know, I tell you, you guys, gals and non-binary pals, more often than not, I love the chaos in wrestling. It's one of the reasons why you tune in. But this was too awkward to really be like the kind of chaos that I like. There was just like, all right, you know, th- th- there's clearly no direction. Uh, things happen, and it didn't feel it didn't feel fun. It felt like you, you leave this and you go, well, outside of Rick Ross. You know, going going rogue, essentially, with a live mic. What I've, I think what we've learned here, and it's not the first instance where this type of stuff has happened, but do not let non-pro wrestling people lead promo segments. That's all. I think if anyone else than Rick Ross was giving direction to this segment it would have been better would it would have been tighter but i swear something happened here it's 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 clear to me this did not go as planned and it ended up just being a mess despite the very entertaining moments such as a s-tier slur (laughs) insult on tbs being uttered and the cinder block spot, which I thought was great. But you know what? Here's the thing. I th- I am of the belief that Swerve Strickland's ceiling is world champion. And I think I think his booking is over they, they're overthinking it. I I really think they're overthinking Swerve's booking. Because every time he cuts a pre-tape, he cuts a solo promo, he is just outstanding every time and he's menacing he's confident he's and he's he does have that unbreachable unteachable star quality that finally wwe fans are realizing is missing in hit row right now but that thing and he's got it here and 
I, like, I think this was completely overwrought. They overthought the whole, they overthink Swerve's booking so much. They want to position him as a mogul. Like, that's his thing, right? Mogul initiatives, mogul affiliates is the thing. Talking with Kristen last night, and it kind of sounds like an MLM. Which is, you know, could be could be what they're going for. I like the logo, the triangles. I like that. I like the designs. But you know what I mean? Like, they're, Swerve is such a natural talent. And he's such a, he's such a compelling, uh, charismatic individual. And he's got charisma that no one else, like, it, he's got very different charisma from a lot of the guys on the roster. Just let, let it shine. Don't overthink it. And I think that's what they're doing. They're overthinking it. We get short interviews from best friends in Dark Order regarding the uh, <laughs> regarding the uh, the upcoming match uh, uh, on Friday on Rampage. What is the match called? The AEW Rampage Holiday Bash 300,003 Kings Christmas Casino Trios Rumble. <laughs> Say it with me now. <laughs> um... The best friends say what they're going to do with the 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 money. They're each going to get $100,000. Trent says he's going to buy his mother a house. Chucky e. T says he's going to buy a chainsaw. And George Cassidy says he's going to buy Trent's mother a house. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and the Dark Order, um, they figure it out backstage, uh, you know, hammering home that there's only three of them really left. And they're asking Hangman not to get involved. And Hangman says, why? Well, because Mox is going to be there. He says, oh, Mox is going to be there. Mm. There you go. And you know what? I didn't mention it earlier, but I'm going to say it right now. Uh, have these wrestlers wrestle for money. Make the prizes money. These are pro wrestlers. They're, you know, they've decided to make their career, like in kayfabe, right? Their career is wrestling to beat people to win to get a higher purse to get more money the winners get more money than the losers that's the whole objective this is basic shit whoever wins gets three hundred thousand dollars to split amongst themselves that's all i need there's no other stakes there's not like a oh a shot at the future a future no it's like get three guys together and come fight cool i'm actually looking forward to it and the main event, AEW Women's Champion, Jamie Hayter, defeated and successfully retained her title from Hikaru Shida. And this match ruled. Match of the night. Uh, yeah, yes, unquestionably, one of the best top three women's matches AEW has ever put on. Top two. I would say I like this better than the um I like this better than the um uh than the uh the cage match between Rosa and uh and Britt. I think I even like this better than uh, Riho versus uh, Serena Deeb on that pre-show which was I was it for double or nothing I think. I don't I, my slip in my mind right now. But you know which match I'm talking about. This absolutely ruled. Strike Fest to start this one off. Scoop slam by 
uh, by Sheeta. We get a snap su suplex in the corner by Sheeta as well, which was great. Huge knee strike on the floor. Then Jamie Hayter snap suplexes Hikaru Sheeta into the corner as well. Hikaru, Hikaru. Hater shows all sorts of personality on the floor while she's doing her heat segment. And this is what I've been telling you people. The women in AEW, the ones who are getting themselves over, get themselves over because of their ring work. Not because of extended promos. Not because of the wacky angles. Jamie Hater's on the floor she and she's, she's acting cocky. She's sitting down on a chair. With Sheeta right next to her. And she starts kicking her. Like, you know, sort of, I don't have to put effort into this. She's getting some fantastic heat by being an in-ring performer. And this is how the women are getting themselves over. This is what we need to continue doing. And st again, stop trying to overthink it. Stop adhering to this mentality that for the past 20 years that to be a, a, a true professional wrestler that will get over, you have to be able to cut promos. It helps. But when your in-ring work is as good as this and the audience you're catering to appreciates good in-ring in -ring work, you're going to get yourself over. Just like Jamie Hayter's doing. And she's continuing. Double clotheslines in the ring. Sheeta hits a drop kick. It fires her up. Hits a missile drop kick. Then we get a snap mare off the second turnbuckle. It has Sheeta landing on the edge of the apron. It looked harsh, but it probably wasn't that bad. But what a great spot. They fight on the apron. Suplex off the apron. They call it a brain buster, but it really wasn't. It was a suplex. Great shit. Sheeta runs into a boot. Hater runs into a jumping knee. Meteora by, uh, by Sheeta. They start fighting on the top turnbuckle. Hater hits a top rope gourd buster. She stays up on the top rope. Sheeta lands on her face on that. Hater misses the moonsault. Then we get a running knee strike by Sheeta for a near fall. Fireman's carry neck breaker and a rolling lariat by Jamie Hater. Over the knee backbreaker by Jamie Hader. The Rainmaker, wait, what does she call it? The, the Haterade. The Haterade is blocked by a knee. With, uh, Sheeta avoids it. In and out, in and out of moves. Britt Baker interferes. But, hey, but, but Sheeta takes her out. Excellent. And, and then from this point on, people are saying, oh, oh, she needed Britt to win. Britt screwed up the finish. We still had a full minute of wrestling after this. Minute, minute 20, whatever it was. Brit did not have any implications into the ending. Watch the show for fuck's sake. Understand what how pro wrestling works. Excellent rolling power bomb near fall. It was so good. I bit. Running lariat by Jamie Hader. Covers can't get the job done. But then she picks Sheeta back up. Hits the Haterade. That happens though. That's good. What a fucking kick ass match. No, to the surprise of no one who have ever watched these two women wrestle. And they went through two commercials. They were given what? Like the match lasted uh, 16 minutes. Went through two commercials. It was awesome. No surprise here. 
They're like, go out there, ladies, steal the show. Two top-tier, world-class wrestlers doing what world-class wrestlers should do. There's no, like, we should not be surprised. Hard-hitting. Like, this was a pro-wrestling match. This was a fight. Compelling from start to finish. A fantastic build. Perfectly produced. No nonsense. Nothing over the top. There was an angle, but they waited for the match to be done. Extraordinary stuff. Great match. Again, we are spoiled. Now, don't get me wrong. This was excellent, and this again should be more proof positive to Tony Khan to put the women who are ready for these spots on TV, for the TV spots is what I mean. Not necessarily always the main events, but the TV spots. Put them on and you will get this on a weekly basis and people will want to see more because the crowd was into this. Twitter was afire with this. Everyone thought this was a, an excellent match because it was. You do this for your entire division. You put women who are capable to hold these spots and to make these, these matches happen. And no one will be like, well, if you push more women on TV, who, which guys do you stop pushing? They won't say that. They won't question that because people will want to see these stars. This is what always what I've been screaming to the heavens for so long. That the more you make the women feel important, the more people will want to see them. And it won't even be a question of, are they dudes, are they women anymore? It's just like, let's, let's see the wrestlers we want to see. Let's watch them wrestle. That's what we want to see. And I'll tell you another thing what this match helped dissipate a little bit. Remember when I was talking a few weeks ago with Jamie Hayter's win and how she's been treated since her win and how I wasn't quite sure how confident Tony Khan was in her? Uh, was uh, was regarding her as a champion remember that because of how she won the title because of how she, you know how Britt Baker always seemed to be there to outshine her this match proved to me that he has confidence in her you know it wasn't a oh Sheeta wrapped her up uh, they got wrapped up into a double submission move both of them but the referee counted to three while the other woman was tapping but he didn't didn't see the tap so oh Sheeta retains but but uh, uh, um, Hater retains but uh, Sheeta uh, but Hater was Hater was tapping the referee just didn't see like none of that bullshit you know exactly what I'm talking about we just went straight to the point here clean win for your women's world champion I'm excited about this this is the template. This is this is it. The, the, dis, the discourse around the women's division is not that it's not talented. It's not that it doesn't have depth. It's that it's not given time. They don't, it's not given place to grow. And AEW has proven with Sheeta, with Hader, with Willow Nightingale, with Serena Deeb, that work rate will always get will always get their women over way before any promo stuff
way, way before anything else. Have them work, have them work great matches, let them steal the show, let them put on, you know, three, point, three and three quarter, four star matches on a weekly basis and your women's division is going to get over and people are going to want to see more of them and Tony, try it out more. Book more women on AEW Dynamite Challenge 2023, Tony Khan. Put that as a resolution. After the match, Britt Baker and her girls show up to beat Sheeta up. Well, they were already there, but they, they, they interfere. Tony Storm runs in to make the save. Jamie Hayter knocks her out with the belt. She's still not cleared for competition because she got... Because she got fucked up. <laughs> Full gear. Soraya comes in to make the save. Lays Baker out. Gets a kick in. And the baby faces stand tall. And what is the final picture we see? We see Soraya, Tony Storm, and Hikaru Shida. All three. That, that in, in a Charlie's Angels, pro, you know, kind of promo shot all three of them just standing right there any two of those women do you know what we're doing here do you realize what what pick it up on you know storytelling like think about it like don't be dumb here this is tony khan saying either two of these women could be soraya's tag team partner on the january 11 san jose show because I know everyone is working themselves into believing that it's uh, going to be Sasha Banks, Mercedes Vernado, Mercedes Monet. Again, I am so excited. I I'm I can't wait to for us to settle on the name we're going to be calling her moving forward. Let's call her Sasha for the time being right now because everyone's saying it's Sasha. Everyone's working themselves up into a tizzy right now. It's going to be Sasha. It's going to be Sasha. And all I'm saying to everyone out there, it's fun to speculate. Don't get me wrong because I myself, I'm like, you know what? Hmm. It would make a lot of sense for it to be Sasha showing up. It would be, that would be something. But we haven't spoken about it. When I say we, AEW, AEW hasn't dropped any hints, hasn't promoted that, hasn't even remotely said mystery partner someone from the outside you know or ha they haven't been using like you know you know little nudge nudge wink winks like they did with cm punk in the lead up right when you had darby allen saying you know i'll wrestle anyone even if it's the best in the world yeah or um or uh uh uh, uh kenny omega wearing cookie monster t-shirts right like those hints were being dropped all around i was like okay this this is fucking happening but now there is nothing that leads us to believe that it is Sasha Banks. We still have a few weeks coming up. And if anything, this finale right now should guide all your brains into thinking mm, it'll be either Tony or Sheeta. And that's fine. And if it's not and you're surprised, you've been good. But set the bar low because until they do start saying shit like, you know, Soraya coming out saying, you know, it's like, uh, this match is going to be like the end of a video game and I found myself a final boss. You know, you're like, oh, okay, right? 
or shit like that, whatever. I, that, that just sprung, sprung into my brain. It could be anything. You know what I mean? Until that shit happens, cool your jets on Mercedes. Sasha, cool your jets. Speculate, have a little fun. But don't create the expectation because that's what a lot of y'all are doing right now. I'm talking about it because that's part of my, that's part of what I do. That's what I like to do. I like to speculate. I like to sit here and, you know, what if, what if, but there's nothing, there's nothing right now that, uh, that, that, that has the, uh, uh, that has this set up as Sasha being the surprise for January 11th. We might, we might lead into Dynamite next week with Soraya going, you know what? I pick Tony Storm because she ran out. And she still has a bone to pick with... Uh, it could be just as simple as that. And then y'all are going to go, Motherfuckers! Yeah. Or, you know, use the use the Rick, uh, the Rick Ross clip. That was Dynamite. So look, a little light on the wrestling, but an extraordinary main event. Middling second hour. Right up until the main event, actually. The main event was, look, it's in a class. If you haven't seen it, you have to go out of your way to watch it. You really do. But the second hour was very middling. Fun first hour because we had a good match and a lot of good promos, story advancement. This from the company that does not do stories. It still boggles my mind how every week we still get stories despite them not doing stories. I I'm going to wrap this one up. Thank you all very much for watching the Dynamite review this week. I'll be back next week. Not missing a single beat. I'll be back for another uh, review next Thursday. I'll be back on Tuesday as well for another Mr. Warren Hayes show. So don't forget to subscribe if, uh, if this is your first time here. And you know what? I hope everyone has a very, very, very Merry Christmas that you're getting into the holiday spirit. And I'll see you next time. How about that?